Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. October 26th, 2014, episode 67 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me is my co-host, Brittany Page. Hello, that's me. Caught you right in the middle of a yawn, didn't I? I finished it up real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to the show. As always... It's going to be a good one. Mm, my we, fave. We've got a lot going on. <laughs> we do actually have a lot going on. Our planet has offered up as an offering. Well, that's redundant. Yeah, it is. To our show, lots to talk about mm. this week. Mm. This half week. Mm. Since we do two episodes right. per week. Right. I'm not sure everybody knows that. I know you're giving me the crook eye like everybody knows we do two shows a week. It's just my natural eye. Oh, it's just the natural bitch eye? Yeah. <laughs> Not a bitch eye, a crook eye. The crook eye. We, uh, I know on the show I say last week, I don't know why I say that, because we've never done one show a week, which is customary for podcasts, the one show a week formula. Right. Well, that's because they are lazy, those other podcasts. Oh, are they? Mm. Terribly lazy. Right. So I don't know why. I have no idea why I've always, or I commonly say last week, because it's never last week. Well, sometimes it's last week. No, it's never last week. Yeah. It's never last week. You know what? I'll tell you what. I'm not even following this conversation anymore. I don't even, we should just, uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I do want to talk about one thing that's been bothering me, and it's always bothered me, but this week... Actually, I think this morning when we woke up, we found out about it, and it fucking, it disheartens me. It depresses me greatly. We woke up today to find out that the movie Ouija, which if you've heard of it, that's a problem. It's a movie about Ouija boards. It's right. a horror movie. I mean, it's Halloween. You expect right. to have these type of films. Mm-hmm. But it it beat out... John Wick. It beat out John Wick. Which is the Keanu Reeves movie that has an 86% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, as well as an 86 user score which on is, Rotten Tomatoes. Which is a big, that's that's big time. I mean, that's a movie that's doing well, both in the minds of critics who can be dickholes, and the public. Right. And Ouija has 10% as a critic score, and 40% as a user score. So it's both rotten with critics and with the audience. And it did more business than John Wick, which is arguably a good, good movie. 
Right. So Ouija's leading the box office with twenty million, uh, and it only cost five million to make. Of course. So I'm sure they're super happy about that. Then John Wick is in second place with fourteen point two million, and third place is Fury for thirteen million. But, but is this Fury's first weekend open? The second week. Okay. Well, that kind of explains it. And here, this is something that bothers me. And maybe not bothers me, but it's interesting to me because I I go by the Rotten Tomatoes ratings most of the time. Pretty religiously, I follow that, and I think it it does a good job of indicating whether a movie is going to be good. There are variants, though. Sometimes, if if the critic score is very low, and then the audience score is very high. I think it's just critics are being dicks. Right. Yeah. Right. Where if it, if critics high it is very very high, and the public is low, typically I follow the critics. I think they're they're correct. And there are exceptions to that rule because we both hated Nebraska. I didn't hate it. I just okay. I hated Nebraska. Yeah. I'll speak for myself. I didn't hate it, but it certainly wasn't worthy of an Oscar. And I also did not like boyhood at all and it's one of the, the highest rated movies of all time yeah i i also didn't like or i didn't not like boyhood i just thought it was way overhyped because of the the interesting way that it was filmed over the course of you know 12 years or whatever right so i again i did not like it i'll okay. speak for myself i'm going to reiterate and then there are moments where like crazy stupid love got a 76% or a 74% of mm -hmm. critics and that's just ridiculous because that's a fantastic perfect movie well here listen we we just watched fury yesterday right we went into a to an early morning showing of fury and we watched it and it got it's getting good reviews. It has a 77% critic score and then a 90% user score. Right. And some of the reviews that it's getting from critics, the bad reviews, they're saying, uh, it's, it's too, ultimately they're saying it's too realistic. It's they're too, saying it's too gory. It's too gory. Right. Too much violence. Yeah. Welcome to World War II, you pussies. Right. I mean, it's, it bothers me that these, these are the people who are judging this movie and they're not judging the movie based on its merits and its its historicity they're 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 judging it on there was too much blood too many gunfights there nah, what the fuck are they doing i have no idea because i also didn't think it was that violent i mean well for it is, what it is exactly and it's not unnecessary violence. It it all fits with the film, right. and it's not... I really didn't think it was over the top. I mean, I wonder how they feel about the Saw movies, where people are being pushed into pits of needles and having needles. the needles stuck in their hands and feet. I mean, I've walked out of Saw movies, right. and this movie was not anything like that. So, yeah. A very good movie. Um, and let me say, up until this point, I have had violent dislike let's say that violent dislike for Shia LaBeouf and he fucking knocked it out of the goddamn park in this movie right he I wonder really if, did a good job I wonder if he'll be an Oscar contender for the performance it wouldn't surprise me and yeah. I think it would be well-founded because he did a good despite all the stories you hear about him having his tooth actually yanked out for the part so they didn't just have to black out his tooth with a sharpie he really went and had his tooth yanked out. Yeah. Idiot. Um, or the fact that he cut his cheek with a knife. 
because the makeup wasn't really looking realistic enough for him. Well, he's a method actor. He's a fucking weirdo, but holy shit, he did a great, great job in this. You need to go see this movie. And it's also, I think that war movies are good for the for the fact that they, especially when they're done well, and they show the ravages of war and the horrible terror that war creates, not only in the mind of the war fighter, but in those who are collateral damage when a movie does a good job of displaying all of the, the the shitty parts of war as well as the glory and the the heroics and all that because it's not all sweetness and lights there, there no. are there are terrible aspects of war right both ethical and moral right and also the the ravages of ptsd and what will obviously create ptsd in a, in a war fighter's mind right and this movie did a, a wonderful job of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, it's definitely important for a lot of people to see, I think. And the other thing that's interesting, and I don't want to completely belabor this point, I know we're we're going on nine minutes here, is back to the Ouija thing. It, it's interesting to me, last year we went and saw the movie The Conjuring. Right. Because it was so highly rated, and oh, it's so great, and it's based on a true story. Wink, wink. Um, I it's about like demon possession. Right, by right. It, it's supposed to be based on a true story about a family that moves into a house and then they start getting torment. You know, the same fucking thing you hear about every horror and movie. And they become possessed by a demon and then there's an exorcism that takes place by these two renowned exorcists. That are real people. Right. right. Well, Supposedly. In the trailer, it's the girl who was in Six Feet Under. She plays the mom and she's looking down the stairs in the dark and all of a sudden you see two hands beside her head and they clap. It's that trailer. I don't know if you remember it, audience. But I think I really learned something about myself after watching this movie. I think I learned that I truly don't believe in the supernatural. Truly, truly don't. Because normally, those used to be the only kinds of movies that would really scare me. Like horror movies like like the Friday the 13th or the... The, the the Halloween movies, they never really got to me because it's just some deranged maniac. It was always the exorcist and the spiritual stuff that would really freak me out. It's so funny because I'm the complete opposite. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And this movie didn't... Nothing. It was laughable. Even the startling parts were not scary to me. Yeah. I was literally laughing in the theater, which, which I know that's inappropriate. I was trying not to do it loud, but it was... It was just comical. I mean, and people yeah. believe in this stuff. It's not real, yeah, and yeah. you're not. It's not going to happen to you. It's not a risk. But that's why I'm. I'm afraid of movies like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not the new crap. Not the new. I don't like yeah. the new horror movies. The remakes of all the original ones, and. I'm scared of those because there are people that will kidnap you and hurt you very badly. Right. The and Amanda, that's a real threat. The Amanda Berry uh, movie would be very scary to you. Exactly. Right. Those are real. There's really people out there that want to kidnap you and torture you and do bad things. And so that's that's a really fearful. That's a really fearful thing. Yeah. So right on. So last time on the show, we're going to do a little follow up here. We talked about the time uh, last week when I was in Trader Joe's, frequent mention on the show, possible should-be show sponsor, that a woman accosted me of sorts and pointed out the obvious that I am redheaded. 
And we put a call out to the audience, you, our lovely, loyal audience, to regale us with tales when you were similarly embarrassed or made a spectacle of. And my good buddy John has agreed to come in studio and talk about that very thing happening to him. How are you doing, John? Not too bad. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for coming in and uh, <laughs> telling what I think is a very funny very funny story. So why don't you why don't you tell us? Sure. So back in college, uh, one time me and a group of friends were going to go hang out, but beforehand we were going to go and stop by um, another friend's uh, work to pick her up so we can all go together. Um, she worked at a restaurant, and once we got to the re- to, to said restaurant, she had a few minutes left in her shift, so we decided to grab a quick bite to eat uh, while we waited. So while we were eating. Her mom actually came into into the restaurant unexpectedly, and none of us had ever met her mother. So uh, she introduced us, and as she introduced me, she said, "Hey, mom, guess what ethnicity he is?" Okay, well let, let's let's stop there. Let's give a little background. Okay. Um. Well, for the audience, sure. Since they don't know who you are, sure. John is brown. John is not translucently white like me, so. And you, you do have kind of an ethnic mix that is nondescript. You can't just look at you and say, oh, that guy's a Mexican or that guy is from Cameroon or, you know, you. Right. You, it's not clear, very clear or obvious. It's not, it's not unusual for people to be uncertain about my my racial or, or ethnic background. So you, it's a common topic that comes sure. up. So so, so what, what what happened? So once she she told her, you know guess what ethnicity he is the mom takes on this very serious and focused look puts her <laughs> hand on her chin starts studying me as though i'm on i'm on display or something right right and and so then she starts listing off you know, all the typical uh answers that people give oh are you brazilian or are you pakistani are you greek uh, whatever right right and, and and after a while she says well you can't be hispanic and and I say, well, actually, I am, but you don't look Mexican. Like that's the only kind of Hispanic. Right, right. So I told her I'm actually half Cuban and half Ecuadorian. Right. And to which she responded, I love your skin color. It's not too dark, yet not wow. too light. It is just perfect. And so now that begs the question, what was her race? What was she? Was she white? The, the mother? Yeah, yeah, she was white. Which makes it almost worse. Because, I mean, there is that weird, unspoken kind of prohibition that you're not, white people aren't supposed to to make, uh, make a big deal about someone else's race. Mm-hmm. Well, and also not supposed to say, your skin's perfect, it's not too dark. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what? That that's really more what I mean. That so not too dark, meaning if it's if it's darker than what you have, it's not good because it's too dark. Mm-hmm. But and not too light. What's that? I don't think there's a such thing as too light. <laughs> <laughs> so I just find that that odd. That well, also the fact that your friend and I'm not shitting on your friend, but I think it's weird that your friend would put you in a position because they ostensibly knew how their their mother would react 
and then they put you in that position to to be on on display like you're on a slave block and she's examining you whether she wants to purchase you it was it's just fucking it's kind of weird yeah it was definitely unexpected so i i can't really comment on that also her fawning over your perfect skin to this day, I'm I'm not allowed to live that down. I'm told to be careful around her mother, lest she wants to make a coat out of my quote unquote perfectly colored skin. Right. Well, it it's had she given you a bottle of Jergens to moisturize your perfect coat, you might have a problem. She might want to make a fucking lampshade out of you or something. Oh God. <laughs> so awesome. Well, thanks for stopping in. And uh Next time you want to contribute, you don't live far, so we'll uh, we'll no, have you we'll have you back in. Definitely in the neighborhood. Thanks for having <laughs> me, guys. Alrighty, yeah, that was uh, that's interesting. I'm uh, <laughs> John is such a nice guy, though, that you know it that that situation ended with no one knowing the wiser that it was kind of uncomfortable for him, right? Because he's he's such a sweetheart that he's not going to say, "Hey, what 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 am I fucking." Brown guy McGee here, <laughs> right? You know what I mean, right? In another, we had another listener submission. Uh, Nikki from the Netherlands wrote in, and she said this. She says, "I have a somewhat awkward supermarket story for you. As a blind person, I am perfectly capable of doing my own grocery shopping, which I do a few times a week." A few weeks ago, I and a friend stood in line at the checkout. He hands me my debit card, which he was holding for me since I didn't bring my bag. As I enter my pin, the lady standing behind me compliments my friend rather loudly on how great it is that I can do that, as if I were his trained monkey or something. (laughs) I had to bite my tongue not to say, quote, yeah, and I can hop on one foot too when he tells me to. Or something like that. I like her style. Next time, I probably will, because it's so fucking condescending, and the lady most likely doesn't even get that. She just thinks she's being nice. That Well, that's... Nikki is striking a chord with exactly what I was talking about last time. That that lady thought she was being congenial and friendly and outgoing when she was being kind of shitty. And especially when you have someone who has a, a disability you know, like blindness. I mean, it's what people need to understand. And I'm not speaking. I don't have any disability. So other than, you know, my what you hear every fucking time you listen to the show. Um, when I worked on Capitol Hill, we went through all this sensitivity training. And I at the time, you know, I was in my mid 20s, let's say I I thought it was bullshit. And I thought, oh, we don't fucking need this. But some of it th- that we learned, I really, I, it sunk in. And it was like if you deal with someone who is in a wheelchair, you don't, you don't bump their wheelchair because it's just like bumping them. And also, I took away from it that don't treat them all special. And, you know, they're fucking people. She knows she's blind. You don't need to make a fucking, like, she doesn't need a parade. Right. She I mean, that every day. Right. It's. It's really insulting. She's completely capable. It's not miraculous that she's able to enter her pen. Like, what, right. it's just so weird that someone would even think of saying that. Like, she's fine. Well, also, she's an adult. Also, she's doing what she needs to do. Also, the fact that the woman was talking to the friend and not her, rather than like, hey, God, that's just remarkable to me. I mean, that you're kicking ass right, right on. It's to the friend like, oh, uh, like she's also mentally d- disabled somehow and can't comprehend that she's being talked about five feet away. Yeah, or that she's also deaf and can't hear or something. Like <laughs> I don't weird. 
It's very strange. It's I like, would have a difficult time not saying anything in that situation. It's akin to, oh yeah, for sure. That's why I said I like her style, that she's biting her tongue not to say something. But it's akin to someone speaking very loud to someone who doesn't speak your language. Right. <laughs> it's like, hey, I, I, it's just that I don't speak English. It's not that I'm deaf. Right. It's weird. Right. But this is, it would be a message to those who have that compulsion to, to go out of the... I would say this. Look, I'm redheaded and I walk around and I hear all the time compliments from old ladies about my hair. So it's not that I've only heard it one time. It's not that you're the first person. And, and same with Nikki. I'm sure she hears it constantly how proud people are of her being able to live her life and do whatever. It's tone it down. She gets it all the time. You're not the first. It's, I'm sure it just gets super aggravating. Right. And when you're a completely capable person, it's almost like you you get kind of annoyed by people treating you as though you're not. Yeah. 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 I, I, I bet you. And you know, like I said, it's, it's really hard to identify where, where Nikki's coming from for me because I don't face those issues. But I think we all need to do a better job of fostering more empathy to really try to put yourself in that person's position to see what it would be like or, you know, the the bullshit you'd have to face. Right. And part of the bullshit is assholes in line who think they're being so great. Right. And really trying to, you know, make themselves proud of themselves for making a spectacle of someone else. What a bunch of DBs. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. I like the music because then we don't have to think of how to transition to the next story. That is the transition. That is the idea. Awesome. So today's Dollamocracy 2016 edition features very likely presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. And lots of smack talking on Democrats, everybody. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Yeah, Brittany's very offended by this. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Hillary, there, there is a tone of, there's a weird tone of a, a, a certain ideology that runs through the Democratic Party that they always try to deny. And they always seem to be backpedaling from. And recently at a speech, Hillary Clinton said this. Were created or paid better, and more families were more secure. That's what we want to see here, and that's what we want to see across the country. And don't let anybody, don't let anybody tell you that, um, you know, it's corporations and businesses that create jobs. You know, that old theory, trickle-down economics. That has been tried. That has failed. It has failed rather spectacularly. <laughs> you know, one of the things my husband says when people say, well, you know, what did you bring to Washington? He said, well, I brought arithmetic. <laughs> and part of it was... Part of it was he demonstrated why trickle-down 
should be consigned to the trash bin of history. More tax cuts for the top and for companies that ship jobs overseas while taxpayers and voters are stuck paying the freight just doesn't add up. Now, that kind of thinking might win you an award for outsourcing. Uh, I can't. I couldn't. I can't anymore. Here's the thing. That is so prevalent in the Democratic Party that businesses and corporations don't create jobs. What, I don't, well, what does she mean? Does she mean that it's people that create jobs? Is that what she's trying to focus no, on? No, she's talking about the government. That it's the government. Hmm. It's the same. Well, it goes along. I'm glad you... God damn. So good. You don't even know about this next clip. You set it up perfectly. This happened in 2012 when Obama... Are you rolling your eyes? Brittany, everybody, is rolling her eyes. She's not a fan of this segment. <laughs> Did you hear that sigh, everybody? Anyway. All right. Uh, in 2012, Brittany set it up perfect. In 2012, Obama said this, which is very akin to Hillary Clinton's statement she just made. If you've been successful, you, don't, you didn't get there on your own. You, you didn't get there on your own. I, I'm always struck by people who think, well, it must be because I was just so smart. There are a lot of smart people out there. It must be because I worked harder than everybody else. Let me tell you something. There are a whole bunch of hardworking people out there. If you were successful, somebody along the line gave you some help. There was a great teacher somewhere in your life. Somebody helped to create this unbelievable American system that we had that allowed you to thrive. Somebody invested in roads and bridges. If you got a business, that you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. If you have a business, you didn't create that. Somebody else made that happen. Right. I mean, I think part of what he said could be okay, um, where... There's people that help you get to where you are. Yeah, well, it's true. When you're a baby, your parents feed you. And if you go to school, a teacher teaches you. Well, and I mean, even outside of that, and maybe it's just purely anecdotal of me thinking about my own history. Sure. But to me, getting to where I am, I wouldn't say that I've done it on my own, that my success is completely up to me. I mean, most of it is because I've put in the hard work to get to where I am, but I wouldn't be where I am without people helping me of course. get to where I am. He's talking specifically about the government because he's making the reference to people investing in roads and bridges. That's the government that he's talking about. Because just, Bill Gates doesn't build roads and bridges. The government builds roads and bridges. Well, and that just confuses me then because I don't understand how they could make that argument. Well, it's a weird ideology. And then he backed away from it. We'll see in the coming days what Hillary says about this. My bet would be that she's going to try to back away. But here's the Brett and Lisa, best friends, friends of the show. They own a small business. The government didn't do shit for them. The government didn't invest in their business. It's not a stakeholder. If anything, the government has detracted from them starting their business through oppressive regulation and tax it's the government doesn't invest in business the government government doesn't create jobs the government hinders that job creation from happening 
Well, I guess that's what's confusing to me and why I don't understand why they would make the argument that it's the government that's creating jobs or the government that's helping you. Because um, when I became an adult since that time, I've not been helped by the government. Yeah, it's it's very confusing. But it's it's a mantra among Democrats. It's a mantra for liberals. And it's the, it's part of the problem that I believe the far left has, that it doesn't line up with what's accurate. I think the conservative viewpoint and somewhat of a Republican viewpoint, although they take it to the nth degree, the Democrats believe that the government will cure what ails you. Well, that's that's another thing that's confusing to me. In the beginning of the Hillary clip, she was talking about how you know they're advocating they're advocating for stronger families and and helping families and well the government doesn't really do anything for families unless you are poor and can't afford your groceries and other than that you're on your own as a working person that's providing right. for your family so that's why it's weird when politicians even talk like that because it's well what are you going to do outside of help the people that are struggling and need public assistance well it here's the deal it's because they don't need it. It's, we don't need you. The vast majority of this country, the United States, is made up of the middle class. And they don't get any fucking help. Yeah, they, they don't use the government so for anything. The, if you're poor, you're completely taken care of. You have no fucking problems. You're not going to go hungry. You're not going to go. You're going to have money because there's a safety net. There's a justified social safety net. If you're wealthy you're taken care of because you're fucking wealthy. You don't need. So what ends up happening is, like, let's say a kid who's going to college whose parents are middle class. There's no help for him. He's not going to get any grants. The government's not going to help him out. It's solely on the parents or the student to pay for their college. Right. Where if you're poor, you're golden. Right. If you're you're rich, you're golden because you're rich. Right. You don't need the help. It's the same thing with health care. If you're poor... The government's got you. Right. If you're middle class, the burden weighs heavy on you because you're too rich to be poor and you're not rich enough for it not to affect you. Right. It's it's a bummer. And I think the Democrats, they talk the talk about a, a healthy, robust middle class, but they don't walk the walk relative to that middle class creating businesses and really pitching in to make the society in which we live what it is. Right. I completely agree with that. And let's also correct kind of what you said, not correct it, but explain it, because some people might not be aware of what you mean when you say that poor people are golden as far as if they want to go to college. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean by, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad. It's nice having you here so it doesn't get taken out of context. Well, I just know that that's going to be a problem for people who do side with the left and tend to think that there's no way out. Poor people right. in terms of getting Listen, an education. I don't mean if you're poor, everything's sweetness and lights. It's shitty. You're poor. But you're not going to starve to death. You don't have to worry about eating. You, you just don't. I know people say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't. F- the food stamp program is a wonderful program that has created a, 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 well, much, a much needed safety net in this country. Well, and I was specifically talking about college. Oh, okay, that okay. was where the wh- that was where you said poor people are golden as far as college, and that's because they get Pell grants. They get government funded Pell grants and and other stuff like that friend that you know. That's who- the California government. Oh, okay. okay. That's not a federal right, program. Right, right. So it also depends on what state you tend. Well, let's not just leave the audience hanging. 
Brittany knows someone who has a child. She's a single mother. She gets, she's on welfare. And I'm not knocking this. I'm not knocking this. Although I have my issues with it. She's on welfare. She has her child care paid for. And she gets a gas card as well as her tuition and everything and books paid for by the government. Right. So she will go to party or have a whatever on her days doesn't have any class. The child's still being taken care of by the government and she's off doing her thing, having a good time. Anyway, there, there's obviously no perfect way. There's always going to be abuses. So anyway, that's the California government thing we were talking about. But but I mean, I'm just generally trying to make the point of what you said, where you said poor people are golden. It's because there are resources for you to be able to go to college and help break that cycle in right. order to get educated. I wasn't denigrating it, though. I think that's like we've talked about on this show before. If you are poor and you have if, if the government is going to invest in your college and invest in your education, it's to the benefit of the government itself to pay for that because it's going to get you out of poverty. It's going to get you into the middle class so the government doesn't have to continue to foot the bill. Because right. if you remain on welfare, if let's say they invest $20,000 into your education, well, that's awesome because then you'll get a job and you'll be gainfully employed and you can earn your, or you can, you can earn your way into the middle class. Right. So then that 20000 how much would have they spent over the lifetime of you with with welfare and medical care and everything else, I'm sure it would greatly exceed $20,000. Right. So it's financially, economically a better idea for the government. But don't get me wrong. Don't. If you want to email, email. If you want to call in, call in. 657-464-7609. Email idoubtit at dollamore.com. But know that I don't mean the poor are, oh, they, have, oh, they have it so good in this country. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're not going to die of starvation. It's not Calcutta. It's right. not Mumbai. Right, because even with the Pale Grants, I mean, you can get resources to pay for your tuition and books and things like that, but then you have to worry about, well, if they don't have a car, how do they get to school? I mean, there's many other variables sure, that are included. Sure, sure. So I know that's not what you were saying, but I just wanted to clear no, it I, up. Fucking right on. Very good. <laughs> you were sitting across from me. Uh, before we leave the Dollamocracy segment, it, a little bit of chatter out of the Jeb Bush crowd that he looks like he might be taking the plunge. Right. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush is moving forward on a potential 2016 White House run, and it appears more likely he will enter the Republican field, according to his son, who's running for office in Texas. That's, uh, that's news. George P. Bush is his son's name. They're so creative with the names in the family. George P. Bush is brown. Mm. Hispanic. Mm. That's what's great about Jeb Bush is he is, you know, the Republicans have such an issue with the Hispanic vote. And Jeb Bush is, he's got mixed race kids. He speaks Spanish fluently. He's very intimately attached to the immigration issue. Anyway, go ahead. Well, Sorry. that's a good quality that he can trot out and milk when he is You think he'll running. be milking it, huh? Right, yeah. I, I, here, here's, I don't think you're educated enough on Jeb. I think you're... I'm not. I'll you, admit that. You're ascribing George Bush qualities to his brother. His brother's far more liberal. His brother is probably the most popular Florida governor that has ever lived. Oh, wow. For both sides. Wow. People love him. He was very, very successful in yeah, Florida. Yeah, I have... I, I know nothing about him. So I guess Which, this is... I, I don't know... I don't know what that says about George Bush because... 
it's Florida, after all. Right. <laughs> so I guess that's a note for me to research a little bit about Jeb and to the other people who tend to side with the left to research a little bit about Jeb yeah. and not just judge him because his last name is Bush. Uh, absolutely. Jeb is a guy I could vote for. Well, I, I think that's not saying a lot because you tend to vote for Republicans. So and I tend to vote for Bushes, too. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so great. We're glad that you'll vote for him. Um, All right. So George P. Bush uh, said that his father is still assessing a presidential bid, but suggested it was more likely that he would seek the White House this time. The ex-governor declined to run for president in 2012, despite encouragement from Republicans. So apparently he's, you know, testing the waters, seeing uh, what he might do. I am excited for primary season because a Chris Christie, Jeb Bush, I'm not saying ticket, although I could see that happening. Jeb Bush and, and Christie as a vice president. Um, I'm just excited to see what the Republicans trot out because Last time was an utter fucking debacle. Right. So they asked him if it was more than likely he'll run. And he said that if you would have asked him a few years back, he would have said less likely. And now he's saying it's more likely. Right so, on. Yep. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, good. I, look, the more the better because it's, it's fodder for the show. Speaking of fodder for the show, Representative Steve King had all kinds of great stuff to say. Recently, because he's apparently a scientist with science in his veins and he understands the gay condition. Right. He's an Iowa Republican and he held a joint press conference with Donald Trump. Oh, my God. Right. I didn't I didn't know that he did. So he's he's in league with human hairpiece Donald Trump, the birthing, the birther fucking extraordinaire right it's, it's disturbing and they went on a rant about undocumented immigrants and they also threatened to trigger another government shutdown but his latest remark is what has gotten everyone talking because he thinks gay people are bound for hell which is not shocking since he's a christian he says quote i'll just say that what was a sin two thousand years ago is a sin today. Mm. And people that were condemned to hell 2,000 years ago, I don't expect to meet them should I make it to heaven. So let's stick with that principle. Let me say it isn't up to me to pass that judgment. You, and those who, He just did. And he those, just passed the judgment. And those who choose a lifestyle that I'll say is not one that's anointed and favored by my faith, or their faith for that matter, that's between them and God. So hang on. Read his first, the first part of his first sentence. I'll just say that what was a sin 2,000 years ago is a sin today. Eating shrimp was a sin 2,000 years ago. They don't care about that. A woman today, like, let me ask you, Brittany, when you have your period, I know this is kind of personal, but do you... I have a period, everybody. Do you, do you exile yourself and wash yourselves... Do you wash yourself for for days because no. you're unclean? I run freely through the world mm, with my period. That's sin. Yeah. That's sin. If if I were to get in a fight with another man and you were to try to stop it and you reached out and grabbed the dick of the other man, like grabbed him to stop him. I've done that before. Oh, well, you deserve death because that's a death penalty sin in the Old Testament. Uh-oh. Busted. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah. Do you ever wear pants? 
Yeah. Sin. <laughs> it says in Leviticus that you should not wear women or men's clothing. I love pants. God damn. I didn't know you were this much of a sinner. For that matter, I love men's clothing. <laughs> I would dress like a man if I could. So it didn't it doesn't end there. It does not end there. The genius representative Steve King had other things to say. And here's a little clip about it. Iowa Congressman Steve King's a six-term Republican, and he's not thrilled with Arizona's Governor Jan Brewer right now. She vetoed that bill that would have let people refuse service to gays based on religious beliefs. When you're in the private sector and you're, you're an individual entrepreneur with God-given rights that our founding fathers defined in the Declaration, you should be able to make your own decisions on what you do in that private business. And I'm always uneasy about the idea of the philosophy that you're a private slash public business because you have a door that's open that anybody can walk in. That doesn't mean that you have to perform any kind of service that they demand. Although we have, it's clear in the civil rights section of the code that, that you, you can't discriminate against people based upon, and I'm not sure I've got the list right, but race, creed, religion, color of skin, those kind of things. And there's nothing mentioned in there on self-professed behavior. And that's what they're trying to perfect is special rights for self-professed behavior. And I think it's difficult for us to define a law that would protect behavior. Now, you heard the congressman use that term self-professed behavior several times there. I asked him if that means being gay is a choice. I don't know whether it's a choice or not. I think that that, that exists uh, across the continuum in some type of a some type of a curve, and I don't know what that curve actually looks like. I think some's nature and some's nurture. Some might be purely each, but I think a lot of it is a combination of nature and nurture. And uh, But the one thing that I, that I reference when I say self-professed is, how do you know who to discriminate against? They about have to tell you. And, you know, are they then setting up a case? And is this about bringing a grievance, or is it actually about a service that they'd like to have? And and doesn't free enterprise provide that service if the demand is there? Someone can open up a cake shop, can't they? When it comes down to it, Congressman King says he does not want exceptions built into special protections that the forefathers did not address. If it's not specifically protected in the Constitution, then then it's it got to be an immutable characteristic. That being a characteristic that can be independently verified and can't be willfully changed. And, and when we get into the area of even hate crimes legislation, I've opposed that because you're punishing people for what you think went on in their head at the time they, per, per, they perpetuated a crime. And it's a murky area of the law. We've not gone that way until the modern era, and I think it gets very, very messy. What a prick. What a prick. Let's address a couple things. He... He doesn't rule out, I would say luckily, he doesn't rule out rule out uh, the, the fact that homosexuality is an inborn genetic condition. We'll call it a condition for his sake. So, and then he goes on to say that the public accommodation laws don't apply to gays. Just race, creed, color, national origin, all that stuff. Well, the reason they don't apply to gays is because you, the Congress, Congressman, haven't made them federally applicable yet. That's the reason. You're the reason gays are not a protected class like blacks 
or Christians, or Muslims, or Jews, or Bosnians. You're the reason. Well, in 2009, he argued that government recognition of LGBT rights would lead to protecting those of pedophiles. Mm. So I think that's where his concern is, that that's so giving, giving protection to people that um, have sex however they want with other adults will mean that we'll likely give protection to people, adults, who abuse children. Okay. So let's say that, that makes I, a lot of sense. Let's say that I'm gay and I have sex with another 35-year-old man. I'm not victimizing anyone because it's a consensual adult sexual relationship. If I have sex with a 13-year-old boy or 13-year-old girl. Or 17-year-old. That is victimization. They cannot consent to that relationship. So it's not it's not the same fucking thing. He's doing the same thing that gay haters always do. Right. And I wish that when they said that, people would just give them that argument back right in their face because right. there's no way to deny it. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's comparing apples and oranges. It's comparing apples and diesel engines. It's not the same fucking thing at all. Right. And I, I'm sure he would say, well. Maybe they have a genetic predilection to having sex with goats. It's not the same fucking thing. Don't be an asshole. So staying on the gay topic a little bit. Very interesting right now. Everybody knows that Liberia is kind of ground zero for the Ebola outbreak and the, the tragedy that's happening in, in West Africa. Um, Liberian gays are wanting to be quarantined right now but not for a reason that you'd think. Right. Leroy Ponpon doesn't know whether to lock himself in his flat in Monrovia because of the deadly Ebola virus or because he's gay. Christian Church's recent linking of the two have made life hell for him and hundreds of other gays. Ponpon, an LGBT campaigner in the Liberian capital, says gays have been harassed, physically attacked, and a few have had their cars smashed by people blaming them for the Ebola virus, after religious leaders in Liberia said Ebola was a punishment from God for homosexuality. Quote, since church ministers declared Ebola was a plague sent by God to punish sodomy in Liberia, the violence toward gays has escalated. They're even asking for the death penalty. We are living in fear. It's terrible. But what do we expect you know, uh, Liberia is, I don't know if it's an officially, I don't know if there's even an official list of what are third world countries, but Liberia has, for men, a 64.8% literacy rate, and for women, a 56.8% literacy rate. So overall, uh, about 61%, about 30, almost 40% of people cannot read or write in Liberia. So there, there's an education curve there where, you know, in America, we've got about a 99% literacy rate. These figures are coming from the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, the CIA World Factbook. So this is this is U.S. intelligence data. So we have about a 99% literacy rate. They've got about a 61% literacy rate. That that's that's a problem. But if if we if our lawmakers hold this, this, these opinions, these pernicious beliefs, like Representative Steve King and Donald fucking Trump, if we believe it, what do we expect of them? 
Right. Well, in 2005, Liberia was 12th in terms of the poorest countries. Mm. And so, I mean, a lot could have changed from now right. to then. But not, not, not likely. We shouldn't have the same problems as a country that's the 12th poorest nation in the world. Right. Re relative to the understanding of science. Right. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't have these vocal people in our government that are saying the same things about homosexuals as people the, in Liberia. Right. Or it's on the eastern side, but even in Uganda, where they're passing anti-homosexual laws, where it's illegal, they were trying to pass the death penalty for that. They settled on life in prison, and then I think it's come down from that. But it's we need to be an example. The civilized, industrialized, advanced world needs to be example for these less educated countries. Ugh. All right. And in in line with that, well, these, these topics line right up. Um, there are, if you're an, uh, a fan of internet shopping and you're afraid of contracting Ebola, here are 10 cures for Ebola that you can buy online. Well, I'm not going to read all 10, but oh, okay. th this just goes to illustrate how soulless people can be during times like this, because you think everyone maybe has your best interest at heart, that people aren't willing to scam you. But no, there are plenty of people out there that are willing to scam you and take advantage of you, and especially the less educated among us. Well, what usually happens, I think, is people people are generally good. People are intrinsically decent, and they often ascribe that same decency on everyone else well i'm not a, a filthy rotten conniving criminal so if i look for something online and i see it that person must be decent too just like me and that's not often the case or not always the case anyway right so on craigslist you can find an ebola personal protection suit kit coverall a suit kit coverall with mask, gloves, and goggles. Wow. And you can also find an Ebola full face air purifying respirator for $55. Wow. Is that also a Craigslist? Yes. Well, Craigslist is where to go, people. Another one from Craigslist, and it's someone that has found a type of weed that can cure your Ebola. Do you mean weed is in just like noxious growing plant or do you mean like marijuana marijuana of course of course marijuana cures ebola it, it clearly scientifically has been proven to cure cancer so it's the strain called blue dream <laughs> that can cure your ebola god damn and you can find that for a dollar a dollar right i somehow don't believe that you're going to get murdered if you respond to that ad where is the cdc though they need to be responding to investigate this claim mm. if we have a naturally growing cure for the ebola virus that only makes sense we could be shipping thousands of pounds of blue dream over to liberia and west africa right now mm mm-hmm and then this person on Craigslist is selling an Ebola two-person survival kit for $329. Is it a giant condom that two people can fit within? No, it has a variety of items that I can't really tell what they are. It seems like a lot. There's a can of Spam I see and a can of Planter's Peanuts. <laughs> so I'm sure those will come in very handy. But no Blue Dream? No, this the the thing that they use to describe the the product mm -hmm. says 
Welcome. As a seasoned commercial pilot, I was trained on how to survive in worst case scenarios. Um. So he was been trained on how to su- survive Ebola. Right. Nice. I think that people think Ebola is going to cause something like the Walking Dead situation to happen, and that we need to be creating survival kits with planters' peanuts. That's uh. We get the message. It's alarming. Well, it's also just the the depth to which a unscrupulous entrepreneurial spirit will <laughs> will go to try to make some money in their attempts to take advantage of the uninitiated. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Yeah. Taking care of biz. Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper? Anderson Cooper is the topic for my Taking Care of Biz. Uh, and listen, I think we've said on the show before, we love Anderson Cooper. We love him. How can you not love fucking Anderson Cooper? He's I mean, fantastic. Wait, wait, I, I shouldn't have used those words. How can you not love Anderson Cooper? Right. <laughs> Cooper was... I don't like calling him by his last name because he's my best friend, and so I'll call him Anderson. (laughs) Anderson was taking a break from live coverage when journalist Vanden Jean approached him and asked him for a photo. Yes, a selfie together is what he wanted. And Cooper denied the request due to the circumstances he told the other journalist Vanden Jean to, quote, have a little respect. And he wouldn't back down, so Anderson Cooper had a bit of a reaction to that. You won't even take a photo. No, I will not take a photo with you on a day where someone was killed. It seems wildly inappropriate. Wow. All right. Thanks a lot, Anderson. I tried. What a dick. Right. It didn't end there, though. He continued to harass Cooper on Twitter Wednesday night for refusing to take the selfie with him. He said, quote, I can't believe CNN would employ you when you swear to your fans. Adding, quote, I simply asked you for a photo. You are exploiting this tragedy by flying to Ottawa from New York City. I just got out of a 12-hour lockdown. Unbelievable. Well, here, it's uncharacteristic because I didn't know that they bred dickholes in Canada. Because Canada is filled with awesome, wonderful, super nice, hospitality-filled, wonderful people. I mean... It seriously is. It's a land of wonderment. Right. (laughs) And it's odd to me that this... Well, first of all, I mean, all jokes aside, this guy's optics are fucking askew. Because Anderson Cooper is on site. He's on location where this all this tragedy happened. This terrible shit that went down. And this guy's asking for a selfie. Asking for a photo op. With Anderson Cooper. So what's it going to look like if Anderson Cooper is posing all smiley in a photograph and it ends up online? It's like, oh, yeah, look at the 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 no heart Anderson Cooper taking a picture where a guy just got murdered. It's, it's right. fucking lame. Right. And it's I mean, Anderson Cooper is somewhat of a celebrity. So it's natural that this guy would be especially an aspiring journalist would be super excited by seeing him but you need to take the situation into consideration and 
he has since deleted those tweets where he was antagonizing Anderson Cooper. Of course he did. But, Self-censor is the way of the coward. But before he deleted them, Anderson Cooper responded and said, Dude, you were rude and asking for a selfie near where a soldier was killed. It was completely inappropriate. Think about it. He said, I can't believe any station employs you. And if you want to be a journalist, learn how to behave when covering a story. Well, this cannot be confirmed but I have read a couple different places online that he is no longer employed by the Sun-Times. He also, when he deleted his tweets, then issued an apology saying, I unreservedly apologize for my actions yesterday. It was completely inappropriate, distasteful, and disrespectful. And that was from Vanden Jean. He tweeted that twice. I saw it again. Yeah. Well, he, he's really sorry then. Apparently doubly sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what? Good for Anderson Cooper. Or as you would say, good for Anderson. Good for Andy. Right. My boy. <laughs> also, I don't know if this is much of a... Yeah, this, I guess we could consider this a follow-up. Maybe we should have put this at the beginning of the show. Sam Harris recently had his dust-up on Bill Maher's show with uh, Ben Affleck. And subsequent to that, he has been in hot water because a lot of these died-to-the-wool liberal... Bleeding heart liberals have attacked him. C.J. Whirleman, the the confirmed plagiarist, um, Glenn Greenwald, the America hating liberal over at the Guardian, they all they're not a fan of the reasonable arguments that Sam Harris puts forth. Well, Jank, Sank, Bedank, Ierlich, uh you know what? He explains how to say his name. I want to put this to bed once and for all. And it's really hard. And if you get it wrong, I don't blame you. How are you supposed to know? So that's why I'm telling you. So the first name is Cenk. It's spelled C-E-N-K. The C in Turkish is pronounced like a J, like Cenk, like short for Jenkins. Okay? Cenk. Second name, surname is Uyghur. U-Y-G-U-R. Like you, Gur. So, don't let it throw you. It's not Yank, Hank, or Plank. <laughs> okay, it's Jank, like Jenkins, you gur, like you gur. Come on, you got it now. Say it with me. Jank, 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 you gur. So, Jank Uger. Of the Young Turks. Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Jank Uger, like Brittany said, from the Young Turks, sat down with Sam Harris and I'm sure everybody knows about the Young Turks. If you go on YouTube at all and you're interested in any topics of, of political nature or liberal or conservative or atheist or whatever, the Young Turks, it comes up as TYT, the Young Turks, uh, they are all over the place. And he is the main dude, and I say that funny because he fucking uses the word dude a lot when he is broadcasting, or too much anyway, Brittany made a comment about today. He is their main their main anchor on their YouTube channel. And he sat down with Sam Harris for a three-hour conversation to kind of clear up or talk about. It ended up being more of a publicity stunt or a publicity moment for the Young Turks YouTube channel. But they talked about everything that was at, at, at issue. And I do want to play one clip from it, which is Brittany's favorite quote from the entire thing. And I guess we'll talk briefly. We'll talk briefly about the entire, uh, the entire talk. How would, how do we fix North Korea? 
right? North Korea is a hostage crisis. Mm -hmm. They've got a lunatic with bouffant hair keeping you know, tens of millions of people hostage. Right. Yep. And, they, and they are, they are information-starved, too. They think they're a master race, right? They, mm -hmm. you know, they're six inches shorter than South Koreans, but they think they're a master race. Um, so you have a, it's not religious, it's, it's quasi-religious. So not only is Sam Harris wildly intelligent, he's also a funny guy. Because that was hilarious. Very funny. And I laughed out loud several times during during the exchange. I did too. And particularly at that comment right there where they believe they're a master race, but they're six inches shorter than South Koreans. That's just hilarious. And it was it, it made the conversation more lively that he was more engaging and funny. For sure. Well, it the entire posture of the debate had to be kind of defensive because he was defending his positions from the get go. And it, it was unlike other Sam Harris conversations where it's very, like I just said, conversational because Jank likes to fucking, I would say interrupt, but interject, be very aggressive in how he's, he's more, look, I'm not shitting on him because he's, he's more my style of guy. Sam Harris is very intellectual, a lot more even keel and jank is more of a passionate kind of guy so i'm not shitting on him for his style because it's naturally who i am but it certainly doesn't foster um an open dialogue it, it forces sam harris into a position to to defend himself and seem like he's being defensive like we saw him on bill maher's show as soon as ben affleck started doing his his theatrics sam sam harris recoiled right took his mug of water and sipped his, his drink. He, he's not, that's not how he operates. He's not going to try to argue over people. He's just going to back down and be quiet. For sure. And he is not someone who gets loud during debates either. No. He, he's not into that. He definitely wants it to be conversational. I think since this was a three hour conversation, it was so long. Um, I think it definitely would have been better if there was a moderator. Oh, yeah. That would have forced you know, them to talk at an equal time each time. And also when one person made a point, the moderator could say, okay, directly counter that point and right. kind of hold them to that because it, it, it was, did, it didn't have to be debate style, but certainly a moderator to moderate the, the back and forth, the conversation. Because there were many times where, you know, Sam would make a point or the other guy would make a point and they wouldn't respond directly to the point and kind of skirt well, the issue. By they, you mean Jank. Well, I was trying to be even-handed. Well, that's not what I do. I'm telling the truth here. Jank, that was his style. He would, Sam Harris would make a direct point, and Jank would say sensationalist, emotional arguments that would kind of go around the point and not directly talk about what he was saying. So listen, if you got three hours to spare, even an hour a day and for three days or 25 minutes until you get it done, it's definitely worth the talk because I don't even think that Jank was he was uh, completely fucked in his assessments of things. I think he he made some very good points and swayed me a little bit on certain points. So it was it's it's definitely worth the watch. Right. A woman is in the hospital, but she soon could be heading to jail after she intentionally drove her car into a Westside Plasma donation center, sending eight other people to the hospital. A plasma donation center. Right. Intentionally driving into it. Isn't the plasma donation... That's where you... You're not donating because you're getting paid, right? 
well, it is a facility where people can donate plasma. I think you get paid for donating plasma. That's, I mean, I mean I'm not sure. I think so. But I think so. So police said 35-year-old Pamela Miller arrived to the plasma donation center with her boyfriend Saturday morning. People inside told the news that she had taken several pills while she was waiting. Don't know what kind of pills. Probably a good time. Right. <laughs> From there, police said hang that on, she... Hang on, hang on. Don't know what kind of pills. Probably a good time. <laughs> so... From there, police said that she got into an argument with employees, and they're saying they're getting conflicting stories, but some folks are saying that she was upset because she wasn't able to donate. After she was told she couldn't donate, that's when she crashed her car into the front of the business. Wow. Injuring people. Yeah. So apparently she wasn't very happy. Those pills didn't make her very happy when she heard the news that she couldn't donate to get well, money. Cl yeah. Clearly there's money involved. So yeah, Florida. Fucking good to go. Florida gets it done. Listen, if we ever think we're going to be short on time for a show, we just look at Florida news. Right. <laughs> we don't even have to. If we're ever bereft of material completely, let's say nothing happens this week. And the next show, if we need an hour of material, it could be one giant Florida file. <laughs> Here's something funny. Maybe the Bic Pen Company is headquartered in Florida. Because this is fucking ridiculous. Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, whom we also love. She would be maybe the female Anderson Cooper. She's loved so much by this show or by the two people who run the show. Right. <laughs> um, she recently did a segment on her show and it is, it's hilarious. And I, she'll, she'll give you the details. So, uh, you know, on my show, what I like to do is I like to promote kindness and equal rights, and I don't like labels, and I don't see color. I'm like a cocker spaniel in that way. <laughs> and I don't like pointing out differences between people, especially men and women. And I, I thought that women, we, we've, we've made a lot of progress towards equality, and we're, we're allowed to vote, and I think since 1982 now. And <laughs> we can wear pants, we can drive at night, all those things have happened. And then I saw something that makes me think we still have a little bit of uh, ways to go. It's a new product from Bic, the pen company, and they have a new line of pens called Bic for Her. And this is totally real. They're pens just for ladies. I know what you're thinking. It's about damn time. Where have our pens been? Can you believe this? We've been using man pens all these years. Yeah. And they come in both lady colors, pink and purple. <laughs> and they're just like regular pens, except they're pink, so they cost twice as much. <laughs> that is absolutely true as well. The worst part is they don't come with any instructions. So, like, how do they expect us to learn how to write with them, you know? <laughs> I was reading the back of the pack. Well, I had a man read the back of the package <laughs> to me. And it said it's designed to fit a woman's hand. This is all true. I'm not making any of this up. Designed to foot, fit a woman's hand. What does that mean? Like, so when we're taking down dictation from our bosses, we'll feel comfortable and we'll forget we're not getting paid as much? I don't know. I mean, just think over the last 20 years, companies have spent millions of dollars making pills that grow men's hair and fix men's sex lives, and now ladies have a pen. <laughs> Wow. 
we have, we have come a long way, baby. It's so ridiculous. And they called to ask me to be their spokesperson, and I was outraged. They said, oh, we'll never do a commercial for you. And then they said how much they'd pay me. I was like, okay. And... <laughs> So we love Ellen. She's hilarious. And what was this company thinking? I don't know. Um, I will say this. Brittany reached out to the Bit Company and had some, you know, pointed questions for the, the, the Bit uh, uh, Company. One of their executives left a voicemail to Brittany, and this is what he said. You're just a woman with a small brain, with a brain a third the size of us. <laughs> it's science. Yes, Ron Burgundy was the company representative. Mm -hmm. I think he's the CEO of the Bic Pen Company. Right. Yeah, that would be smart. <laughs> it's insane, though. They made the pen to fit a woman's hand, and it's in pink and purple colors. Like, really? Your hand is the same shape as mine. It doesn't need to fit that, the hand. Well, they know that this is going to be a problem, especially the way that you know, society has started to talk about gender roles being more fluid. and I, I don't know if they know it's going to be a problem. I think that they, you get so attached to a project and there's so many yes men. If, if a guy who's an executive comes up with, a, with, a, with, a, with a, the new plan, a new marketing plan or a new design or a new fucking way to go, everybody's kissing his ass so much. I'm assuming his because a woman didn't fucking come up with this. They're, everybody's kissing his ass so much that there's this tone deaf thing that happens where no one sees how ridiculous it is. And it clearly fucking happened here. Yeah, it's just really disappointing. I mean, you ladies are kind of dumb. <laughs> and your hands are misshapen, so you need a different kind of pen. <laughs> Why and reinvent the fucking wheel? Yeah. We know the pen works. I don't know. It's not like women have been writing Bic like, can you get me a different kind of pen? Because your regular pens just don't work. Right. Can you make some special packages that let me know which pens are for me? Pink and purple would be great. <laughs> Disturbing. Yeah. Fucking dumb. Weird, right? Ugh. Very weird. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to end it there on the weird tip. On the weird tone cool i think mm. that's a great idea yeah yeah listen everybody we haven't talked about amazon.com don't turn the show off yet on dollamore.com there's a link at the top right of the page it says support the show if you'd like to buy something from amazon whether it be new wine glasses for yourself or a book and if you're gonna buy a book you can buy any of sam harris's books on amazon.com this show is sponsored by sam harris <laughs> We wish. Right. Uh, there's also the Patreon.com link, which is kind of like Kickstarter, except it's not one large sum of money. It's a little bit per per project or per episode. If you have any any uh, any change you'd like to throw at us, we'd love to. We'd love it. We appreciate all of your support. Most importantly, we appreciate you listening, episode after episode after episode. Thanks for hanging out with us twice a week. We appreciate you. We love you very, very much. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. They think they're a master race, right? They, you know, they're six inches shorter than South Koreans, but they think they're a master race.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.